inside the CKDJ studios for the first ever episode, the first ever special podcast episode of Wrestling with Old School Ideas. I, of course, am the music man, Colin Scully. And today in the first ever Wrestling with Old School Ideas, we are going to be taking a look at the closed circuit TV specials, as they were known back in the day, that started them all. We're going to be taking a look at Starcade 83, NWA Starcade 83, and in the second half of this episode, we are going to be doing some alternate commentary on a couple matches from WrestleMania 1. So without further ado, let's get straight into the review of Starcade 83. So, this uh, Starcade 83 happened in the Greenboro Memorial Coliseum, now famous uh, for the Starcade pay-per-views almost, among other things, in Greenboro, North Carolina. This happened on the 24th of November, 1983, with your hosts being Gordon Soley and Bob Cottle. Now, the opening match had a, was it, it, it was interesting. Uh, it was it had the assassins pitted against Rufus R. Jones and Bugsy McGraw. Now, for those of you who don't know who the masked assassins are, um, one of them was Jody Hamilton, former promoter of the now defunct WWE affiliate Deep South Wrestling, and Ray Fernandez, better known as the Mighty Hercules. The Assassins are an interesting story in that they were a part of the big Georgia Championship Wrestling versus all South Wrestling territorial feud. Now, when promoter Ray Gunkel died, his widow Ann decided to split off from the NWA and form a renegade promotion called All South Wrestling. She took Hamilton and then Assassin number two, Tom Ernesto, with her. Ernesto became the booker, but GCW decided to play dirty and show pictures of the Assassins without their masks. To counteract that... Renesto actually booked himself to lose his mask. Renesto and Hamilton continued to tag for a while, but Renesto cut back his dates to focus on his booking. Eventually, Hamilton moved on to other partners, including Hercules and Randy Smash Cully. Rufus was the Mid-Atlantic TV champion at this time. He was sort of a poor man's junkyard dog. Rufus plays face in peril for the bulk of the match, but there wasn't a lot of wrestling going on. Uh, Rufus did take a good beating. He got the hot Bugsy got the hot tag, and the face is clean house. In all of the chaos, though, one of the assassins rolls up Bugsy for the win at eight minutes ten seconds. In the locker room now, we see a teenager-looking Tony Schiavone hyping more locker rooms later in the show. Hyper that hyping more locker room interviews later in the show. We see Ric Flair steamboat. We see Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, and Roddy Piper talking strategy. Moving on to the second match on the card, which just happens to be another tag team. We've got Johnny Weaver and Scott McGee versus Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin. This was right around the time that Satan, uh, that Sullivan, rather, was doing his Satan worshiper gimmick in Florida. So Lewin is under his control, so to speak. 
That's really downplayed here, though, which is kind of too bad. They actually did a segment on Florida TV where Kevin Sullivan went to the beach and summoned Lewin out of the ocean as his disciple. Almost re- almost uh, reminiscent of the Lake of reincarnation in TNH a couple of years ago. Scott McGee was trained by Ric Flair, who actually was his brother-in-law. He had a solid career, but he was mostly the second banana to guys like Dusty Rhodes and Magnum T.A., Weaver is kind of the elder statesman, just there to teach McGee the ropes and help him get over. The heels use a lot of interesting moves, including distracting the ref during a hot tag. McGee has the Ricky Morton roll down, Pat really getting the fans behind him. Weaver eventually gets the hot tag and starts cleaning house. He misses a charge, and the heels go to work on Weaver's arm. Sullivan holds the arm while Lewin splashes it, yada, 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 gets the anticlimactic pin at 6 minutes, 48 seconds. It wasn't really much of a match. Although the, the tag team action in this was pretty good. After the match, McGee goes after Gary Hart, who slips a spike to Lewin. Lewin stabs McGee in the face several times until Angela Mosca makes the save. Going backstage now, we got Harley Race confident in his being able to win the match against Ric Flair later tonight because he knows about what's going on with Ric Flair's injuries. On to the next match, we've got Carlos Colon versus Abdullah the Butcher. Carlos Colon is the father of Carlito, who was with the WWE for quite a while as Carlito, cool, yeah, 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 Carlito's cabana, yada, yada, yada. Carlito, or Colon, uh, Carlos actually, won the NWA title from Flair earlier in the year, but it was never recognized. According to Kayfabe, the reason for this was this match was banned in Puerto Rico, but Carlos wanted a match so bad that he chased him to the States. Abdullah does his usual stick of using a foreign object and playing red light, green light with the ref. Carlos steals the object from him and jabs Abby in the head with it. Abdullah accidentally drops an elbow on the ref. Carlos applies the figure four on Abdullah, but future WWE commentator Hugo Savinovich runs in, clocks Carlos, and Abdullah the Butcher gets the pin at four minutes and 27 seconds. This is more a very slow street fight than a wrestling match. Um, anyways, later on after this match, uh, backstage... Tony Schiavone catches up with Angela Mosca, who was stabbed while trying to save Scott McGee. He is really angry with Mark Lewin. He also confirms that despite his injuries, he will still be able to referee his match tonight and predicts victory for Ric Flair. On to the next tag team match. There seems to be a lot of tag team matches here. Anyways, though, uh, we got Wahoo McDaniel and Mark Youngblood versus Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater. Mark is the younger brother of Jay Youngblood neither of whom is actually American Indian, nor named Youngblood. Now, Bob Orton Jr., of course, is Randy Orton's dad, and he was a massive heat-getter in his day. Slater is practically a mirror image of Terry Funk and has a slew of great unheralded matches under his belt. Definitely, if you're a fan of old-school wrestling, try to find Slater as much as you can. He deserves more recognition. He was one of the stiffer wrestlers you'd find. Uh, but the heels had a lot of heat during this because they were the guys who answered Harley Race's bounty on Ric Flair. Now, the Harley Race, the, the uh, bounty here, Harley Race had tried to put a bounty, a $25,000 bounty on Ric Flair so that this match didn't have to happen later on in the main event uh, so that Harley Race could keep his title. But anyways, more on that later. The match gets off to a quick start with back-and-forth action from both Youngblood and Slater. The heels try to cheat and get a win via the -the over-the-top rule, but the ref isn't buying it. Little bit of explanation on that for our newer fans, perhaps. Back in the 80s, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, hell, even into the 60s and 50s, if you were to throw your opponent over the top rope, then you'd be disqualified immediately. 
Youngblood Young Blood plays face in peril and does a great job. Hard to believe this guy would be one of the tubby renegade warriors later on in WCW. But then again, it was hard to believe a lot of things that would have happened to WCW later on. Wahoo gets the hot tag and cleans house on the heels. Youngblood tags back in and fires off drop kicks. In the chaotic brawl, though, Orton is able to finish Youngblood with the superplex at 13 minutes and 10. Now in the back, Ric Flair wishes Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat luck. Jay mumbles through a bad promo trying to put Rick over. Now, you may ask how bad this promo really was. Ricky Steamboat had to step in and finish the promo off. Now, Barbara Clary is trying to get a road with is trying to get a word with Dusty Rhodes. We have audio problems though, so Gordon Soli has to explain he's challenging the winner of the Harley Flair Harley Harley uh, race Ric Flair match. I really can't talk today, man. Jesus, I'm tired. Anyways, now we've got the NWA television title versus mask match between the great Kabuki, who is currently the NWA TV champion, and Charlie Brown, downtown Charlie Brown, who's waging his mask. Brown is Jimmy Valiant doing the mask man who everyone recognizes gimmick. Kabuki was a precursor and storyline father to the great Muda, complete with green mist. His last major appearance stateside was getting eliminated in the 1994 Royal Rumble. Now, the kayfabe story goes that Kabuki was horribly scarred by a bed of hot coals, so he wore his hair long and painted his face. They don't just write character backstories like that anymore. The match, is, the match ranges from competent when Kabuki is in charge to bad when Valiant is in command. The reason for this is because Valiant makes such good comebacks. Valiant utilizes the sleeper early, but Kabuki is tough. Kabuki keeps going back to the claw. Really, it's just a battle between Iron Claw and Sleeper. We're clipped a bit to Kabuki missing a corner charge. Brown drops an elbow and picks up the TV title at 10 minutes 34. About three minutes were clipped, which means that it was within the 15-minute TV time limit, although Gordon and Bob aren't sure. Now we've got Bob Orton and Dick Slater expressing confidence in Harley Race. Now, Race, who had the evilest voice in all of wrestling at this time, promises to work Ric Flair's neck, injuring by injured, which was injured by a spiked pile driver from Bob Orton and Dick Slater. Dusty Rhodes retapes his promo, challenging the winner of the main event after this. I think he predicts Race will win, but then again, it's hard to tell when Dusty is the one cutting the promo. Now we've got the dog collar match between Greg Valentine and Roddy Piper. Valentine is the US champ, but it's not on the line here. Gordon Soli goes on record supporting Roddy Piper, damned liberal media. Piper turned babyface from saving Soli by a beatdown from Don Morocco, one of Piper's very own thugs. Piper then found Wrestling Jesus and turned face, working his way through every heel in the territory. Tug of war to start. Finally, they just start punching each other. Piper knocks him down and crotches him with the chain. Valentine then hits him in the ear with the chain and wraps the chain around Piper's eyes. Piper knees him and stretches the chain across Valentine's mouth and nose. Valentine has to start. Valentine has started bleeding from his forehead. Valentine then chokes him down with his bare hands. Piper gets a little out of control while making the comeback. So the ref pulls him back. Valentine, of course, takes a cheap shot and goes after Piper's ear. Soli describes the psychology by noting that Piper's balance is gone because of damage to the eardrum. That's why people loved Gordon. 
Valentine drops an elbow for two, another. Then he tries for a third, but Piper yanks him down by the chain and punches him in the head as hard as he can. Piper starts whipping him with the chain. Then Valentine goes after the ear, and he uses the chain to choke Piper on the ropes. They fight over a suplex, a battle which Piper eventually wins. Valentine slaps on a sleeper hold once they recover. Cottle wonders if the collar could be blocking the hold. Piper fades but hauls off and hits Valentine with a handful of chain to counter. Piper finally just goes nuts and whips the hell out of Valentine and simply pins him at 16 minutes 8 seconds. Moving on to the NWA World Tag Titles. The Briscoe Brothers versus Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. This is the result of several quality matches between the two teams that saw the Briscoes inching closer and closer to full heel status. In one match, Jack splashed Ricky Steamboat while he was in the figure four, which was... In one match, Jack splashed Ricky Steamboat while he was in the figure four, which was a Briscoe staple, but a big no-no then. A few weeks later, they had a rematch, and again, a Briscoe accidentally fell on Ricky's legs while he was in the figure four leg lock. Finally, Jim Crockett just said to hell with it and signed this match for the biggest show of the year. Angelo Mosca is the special referee for this match, and he does a little better job than Gene Kaczynski would later on in the evening. This match is a little calmer and more solid than their previous meetings. Now, the faces work on Gerald's arm, but Steamboat gets dropped on the top rope to play face in peril. Ricky and Jerry duel at breakneck speed, and Gerald gets a backdrop. Following this, he keylocks the arm, which is a good strategy against Steamer. Ricky powers up and backdrops Gerald over while still in the key lock. Hot tag to Youngblood. The numbers overwhelm the young guy, though, and now he is screwed. Gerald gets into an argument with Mosca and gets knocked on his ass. Steamboat tags back in and he's fired up. Youngblood gets a Steamboat-assisted dropkick, and Steamboat presses Youngblood onto Gerald for the win at 12 minutes, 48 seconds. All right, moving on to the NWA heavyweight title match between Harley Race and Ric Flair. Gene Kaczynski is the infamous referee here. Flair had won the title back in 1981 and had an interesting reign in which he lost the title to Jack Venino, Carlos Colon, and Dusty Rhodes, but none of them counted. The one loss that did count was when he lost it to Harley a few months earlier after Race had put a bounty on Rick's head. Flair survived, and Race ducked him up until now. Flair goes right after him early on and argues with Kaczynski. Solely warms my heart by going into each man's wrestling history and comparing their styles. Kaczynski takes forever to get down and doesn't even get a count. Rick continues to confound Race with the headlock. Soli and Cottle talk about Race holding out for the hour time limit because time is his ally. Now, this is a time where the time limit draws would actually happen, though. Meanwhile, Race has turned the tide and is methodically working over Flair's head and neck with a series of knees. Rick, or Race, rather, hits an archaic power slam for two. The champ jaws with Kaczynski about the count and then decides to use the cage as a partner by slamming Ric Flair's head into it. It should be noted at this point that this match was taking place inside a steel cage. The camera gets spattered with Flair's blood, making this truly awesome. Kaczynski pulls Race back and Flair takes the opportunity to chop him. Doesn't last long though, as he does the same to Flair while Race headbutts him. 
Harley gets sent into the turnbuckle to finally turn the tide. Now it is Race going headfirst into the cage. He gets a pile driver for two, and Kaczynski and him get into a shoving match. Finally, Race cheap shots Flair and shoves Kaczynski out of the way. Flair makes the comeback, but his face is covered in blood. Flair locks in the figure four back in the day when this was a big deal, and it didn't happen every day. Soli thinks it's over, and Cottle is in the parking lot warming up his Ford Tempo, but somehow someone forgot to tell Race. He makes it to the ropes and turns it over, which according to Soli, has only happened once before. Race comes off the second rope with a headbutt. Soli says that Kaczynski's count is deliberate and steady, so is a tortoise. The center of the ring is stained with blood. Flair tries to come back, but there is nothing behind his blows. Kaczynski pulls away by letting his hair... Kaczynski pulls Race away by his hair, allowing Rick to make another comeback. Race accidentally headbutts Kaczynski off of a headlock. Flair takes the opportunity to go up top and comes off with Race, in theory, stumbling over Kaczynski and falling on his back for the pinfall loss at 26 minutes. I would give this match, uh, uh, this entire card was very, it, it, here's the thing. I'm used to watching a lot of old or uh, new school wrestling, so about 2012 is when I really started to watch regularly. This, honestly, I enjoyed a lot more than something that I would have watched, that I would watch tonight or tomorrow or Sunday for Extreme Rules. Um, but yeah, overall, I'd say I'd probably give this match or the card uh, overall like an 8 out of 10. There were some matches like it really picked up when um, it really picked up uh, the dog collar match between Valentine and Piper. All the other matches were just kind of there. They were just kind of eh. I'm going to go get a little bit of a drink and maybe uh, rest my voice for a couple minutes. But when we come back, we are going to be doing some alternate commentary on WrestleMania 1. So, keeping things going here, we've got WrestleMania 1. Now, WrestleMania 1, of course, the first WrestleMania, that's obvious, uh, happened on the 31st of March, 1985. In the, on the grandest stage of them all, I guess you could call it, Madison Square Garden, New York City. With an attendance of 19,121, the WWF put on a show that would forever change the landscape of professional wrestling. Now, a little bit of a side note here before we keep going. Um, there was, uh, okay, Lord Alfred Hayes, right? He was, like, he was good later, but right now, he um, he almost seemed like he... Uh, he was lo- he was about to lose his shit. He felt like he was, it felt like he was nervous. 
Um, but I digress. Anyways, let's just keep things going here. Our first match that we're going to be looking at is Brutus Beefcake versus David Sammartino. And the fans just love him. Right now, let's go back into the locker room area once more to our Lordship Alfred Hayes. Thank you, Gino. Our next bout here on WrestleMania. Really great stars together. One, the pompous but powerful Brutus Beefcake. And he is matched against David Sammartino. Now, as we all know, David is looked after. His fortunes are guided by his father, Bruno Sammartino, hey, a legend here. Somebody who has always been admired by wrestling fans and trying to emulate his father and achieving this very object is, of course, David Sammartino. Earlier, these men had a lot to say. Let us hear. You can definitely tell that he is reading when they had these off of, off of something here. Now we see Gene Okerlund back here with David Sammartino alongside his father, Bruno, the living legend, as he was referred to back then. Bruno Sammartino makes the threat that if that if Johnny Valiant should stick his nose into the business, he's going to run He's going to run right into the fist of Bruno Sammartino. This is interesting here. Watch this. Wait, wait, wait. That's enough! That's enough! I will not let this man talk. I will do the talking for him. I want everybody to accept the simple fact that JV is a monster. So, Brutus just more or less spat into the microphone. Almost um, modern. There seems to be a modern thing reminiscent of this where... Um, like Johnny Valiant and Brutus Beefcake is almost reminding me of Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Brutus Beefcake. Let's just skip things ahead to the match here. Bruno leading his father, or Bruno leading his son David out to the ring here. We're going to see a match between these two. All right, so let's see. Let's get this, let's get this action underway here. All right, so referees trying to get Johnny Valiant to take, to get, to get, um, Johnny Valiant's trying to take his time here, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's a psych out thing, Gorilla Monsoon. It's a psych out. You get your opponent, you get him upset. Just those little added ledge edges. The ref now getting angry with Johnny Valiant, trying to get him out. All right, it looks finally like we're going to have some wrestling here. Bruno looking on. Interested to see how well his son's going to fare against Johnny, uh, against Brutus Beefcake. Of course, this is before Brutus the Barber Beefcake. This is straight up just Brutus Beefcake. We don't see that, the Brutus the Barber uh, Beefcake, until about 1989. All right, Johnny Valiant is finally out of the ring, and we're finally able to begin the action here. 
Locking up, do locking up are both of these guys. David San Martino thrown into the corner. Brutus showing off to the crowd here. While David looks like he's trying to get some words of advice from his father. Johnny Valiant now giving advice to Brutus. This is an extremely valuable match for both of these individuals, Jess. This could plummet. Both of their careers. David goes to lock up again, but Brutus walks away. In the World Wrestling Federation, a loss to either one of these individuals here would certainly damage their career. Oh, definitely. You're looking at if, if whoever loses, his career is going to drop six. Now we see them locking up again. Brutus is pushed into the corner. Leg drop. Leg trip, sorry. Brutus. Can't believe what's going on. The sudden resurgence of David San Martino. Now they're both looking at each other, trying to figure out what the other is going to do next. David running around now, trying to find him. Brutus reaching out. They give they give each other high fives. It looks like. Camera flashes to Bruno. Bruno looking on, locking up for the third time. Goes into a waist lock position. Rear waist lock. Brutus reverses it and does the same thing. Both try to gain some offense here. Lifts him up, slams him to the mat, does Brutus on San Martino. We see some, we see some good chain wrestling action almost going on, some good grappling. Johnny, Johnny Valiant is now trying to stall. Threw him over the top rope. He's got grease on him too, apparently, says Johnny Valiant. Brutus getting back into the ring. Well, take a look at San Martino. His body is not even shining. He hasn't even broke a sweat yet. Some of these guys come in. All right, San Martino trying to figure out what he's going to do now here. He's got Brutus cornered. They lock up for the fourth time, takes his wrist. Hammerlock. He's got a headlock in there. Front headlock. Both of the men on their knees here. This was one of the favorite holds, this front headlock here. This one. This was one of the favorite holds of David's father, Bruno. Closer to the ring here are... Closer to the ropes, rather, are both of these men. Now into an arm lock, but Brutus is under the ropes, so David San Martino will be forced to break the count. Seems to be a little disconcerted here. A little Brutus is now. Brutus is now annoyed with the referee. David and Brutus trying to figure out what they're going to do again. David has the left arm of Brutus Beefcake right now. Working on the left arm, twisting it around almost in a wrist lock type position. Brutus has his has his hand in the face of David San Martino. Brutus now has him up and he slams him to the ground. But David San Martino reverses it and he's got a bit of hand lock. He's got a bit of wrist lock there. Brutus looks like he's, he's writhing in pain right now. He's circling around the ring. David taking his arm, dropping his knee into the elbow. You can be sure that David has, you can be sure that David's knocked any feeling that Brutus Beefcake had out of his left arm. Now Johnny Valiant giving him some words of advice. Some guys like a slower pace, other guys like a faster pace. And if you can get your opponent to wrestle at the pace... David now getting some more words of advice from his father, Bruno. Of course, Bruno is no stranger to MSG having won both of his titles. One of them lasting nine... One of those reigns lasting nine years. Brutus with a headlock now. Takes him over. Now onto the ring. Now, now onto the floor there. 
We're on to the mat. The mat is the word that I'm looking for right now. We've got Brutus Beefcake in a headlock. Brutus Beefcake with the headlock on uh, David San Martino. Luscious Johnny Valiant looking on. David looks like he's trying to get some offense here, gain some more offense and reverse this. It's a lot tougher, a lot tougher. He's got to reach down even deeper for that something extra then. Cinching the headlock further in is Brutus Beefcake. Brutus with the decisive height advantage to begin with. And that's big on the leverage. Reversal. Shoulder block from Brutus Beefcake. David ducks under. Attempted arm drag. Reverses by Bruce. By uh, Brutus Beefcake. He kicked. Now David San Martino kicked to the chest from the mat. Leg trip. And now he's into the ankle lock. The double ankle lock. The toe hold. And now it's Brutus down on the mat. Seesaw battle going on here, Jess. Really yeah, cinching good, good in matchup. this toehold is David. Professional wrestling and the tie turned, so to speak. That's right. David's really cranking on that leg lock. Putting a lot of pressure on. I think Brutus is trying Brutus is trying to get to the ropes here, I believe. Good shot there by camera number five of that particular maneuver. <laughs> giving us an outstanding. Now it's more of an ankle lock is Madison David San Martino on Brutus Beefcake. Invades not only these United States but some 24 25 pushing the knee, therefore kicking him out. Oh, leg trip, and now he's got him in an ankle lock. Does David San Martino going to work on the left leg? Just twisting. Boy, is he putting it all together? He's trying to put it all step over. This youngster can too. He's putting the pressure on Brutus's knee. You can see Brutus's knee is bending in a pretty weird angle out there, Gino, and it don't take that much to pop a knee out. Now further prior damage damaging the ankle. Now Brutus kicks him in the face there. But David goes right back to work on that ankle and that leg there. Almost looks like he's working on the knee now as well as the ankle. If you don't have a basic wrestling knowledge, you can forget about it. That's right, that's right. Unless possibly you're an awesome individual like a King Kong. San Martino now having his hair pulled by Brutus. It doesn't look like David is letting up at any time soon, though. San Martino now applying the pressure. On that left leg, Brutus has a number of choices here. He's going to try to come out the hard way, it looks like here. Luscious John is still uh, shouting instructions. And at this point in time, Pin one count. Look at that. Brutus rakes the look eyes of David San Martino. By that ominous forearm, whatever it is that he wears in there. In my opinion, those are illegal, Jess. Oh, I don't know. The referee let him by with it, and you've got to take advantage. Anything that's to your advantage, Gino, you're going to use in the pit. Over the top of Brutus goes David. Drop of the forearm by Brutus onto David's chest there. Goes another one, this time to the side of his head. Brutus picking Brutus picking David up. Body slam to the mat. San Martino with a very serious look on his face. Certainly worried right now as David kick to the side to the collarbone of one Brutus Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake with a vicious chop across the back of the chest. Taking the forearms. He's he's gotta have something in the forearm gauntlets that he's got on right now. David with a punch to the gut of Brutus. Brutus taking control yet again with forearms to the back now. 
Brutus throwing David San Martino into the corner. Now Brutus has got his hands, and now he's dragging the elbow across the face of David San Martino is Brutus. Brutus dropped that point of the elbow right into the face of David Samartino. Whip into the other side. David hits the ropes and rebounds and goes down. Brutus raising his forearm in the air as if he's trying to tell the crowd, yeah, I can fucking do this shit. Dropping his dropping his elbow onto the head of David Samartino. Now both of his hands across the face and another elbow drop. Knee to the gut of David San Martino. This is absolutely brutal. Forearm to the side of the head. Keeping the forearms going is Brutus Beefcake. This is this is getting insane. Brutus showing off to the crowd yet again. Both of the hands to the face. My God. Whip to the side. Brutus reversed. Brutus into the corner. David puts him over his shoulder. David is back in this one here. Brutus. Trading blows are Brutus and David here. David down on his knees. Now he's back up. Big blow to the head of Brutus Beefcake. Brutus is stirring now. Punches to the gut. David with non-stop hitting. Now Irish whip into the other side. San Martino with the boot to the gut. Knee to the head of Brutus Beefcake. Now in a headlock. Almost setting up for a suplex. Is he going to be able to do it? Brutus with the suplex. No, David with the suplex. My bad. David going for the pin here. One, two. Brutus kicks out at two. Guys, this is getting very exciting here. I'll make sure to link this if I can find it somewhere. Is it the WWE Network? Brutus now, Brutus now throwing David San Martino out. Luscious Johnny is picking David San Martino up. Luscious Johnny body slam, body slam to the floor. Now, now Bruno is whipping Johnny into the ring. The ref doesn't know what to do. Now Brutus hitting David. Now Brutus hitting Bruno. David back in. The ref has no choice but to call this off. Now all four of these guys are in the ring. Brutus is outside. Now Bruno is killing, or not killing, but he's quite angry with Johnny Valiant. Johnny Valiant doesn't know where he is. He's trying to hit the invisible man that's outside the ring. The ref has called things off here. Let's wait for the official word. Bruno is now inviting Johnny and Brutus to come back in. Brutus is bringing his hand up into the air. He thinks he's won this match. Bruno again inviting both Johnny and Brutus into the ring to finish things here. Referee has disqualified both teams. There is a double disqualification. Man. That, uh, uh, that was that was definitely an interesting one, but let's after I'm gonna go get another drink here because my voice is fucked. But after this, we are going to be looking at the U.S. Express versus Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik.
All right, keeping things going here. We've got Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, also known as the U.S. Express, versus the guys currently in the ring who are managed by classy Freddy Blassie. We've got the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. As is being mentioned, we've got this match being for the WWF Tag Team Championship. From the Soviet Union, weighing in at 313 pounds, Nick Volkov, Nikolai Volkov. Now, I believe we're going to be treated to some special singing as well before people come in. Sheik is all business here. Yep, so we're going to be treated to some singing by Nikolai Volkov of the Soviet Anthem. So let's listen in. Chic. Russia number one. Ran number one. USA. <laughs> Alright. Led by Captain Lou. He's got something hanging from the side of his face there. Captain Lou looking all business here. Here come. Here come the US Express. Of course, the US Express being. Barry, I think it, yeah, Barry Windham. Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, yeah. Now, Mike Rotundo would go on, for those of you who don't know who Mike Rotundo is, you may know him as IRS, Erwin R. Scheister, VK Wall Street in WCW. May also know him as the father. He's got some uh, rather famous wrestling sons. He's got Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. As his children. Barry Windham, looks like he's in great shape. Barry Windham is, yes, that is the Barry Windham, in case you're wondering. Uh, the Barry Windham that would go on later in WCW, or was feuding. I don't know. There was something that was going on with him and Ric Flair. Iron Sheik is yelling at somebody in the crowd again. All right, Captain Lou looks. Captain Lou and Freddie Ar and Freddie Albano are exchanging words, as the ref is checking the gear of Volkov and the Iron Sheik. 
The ref is telling Iron Sheik and Volkov that he is going to be watching. Now goes over to check the gear of Barry Windham. Checking IRS now is the ref. All right, looks like we're going to get things started here. We're going to have IRS in the ring starting off against the Iron Sheik. So let's see what happens here. Volkov, quite athletic, although he is over 300 pounds. One of the big athletic guys, uh, he just jumped over the top rope. IRS looking ready. Getting underway, locking up. Sheik has IRS in a headlock. Trying to bring his hand across the eyes of Sheik is IRS. Shoulder block by Iron Sheik. IRS ducks under. IRS jumps over. IRS with a hip toss to the Iron Sheik. And now a drop kick that doesn't exactly connect. He doesn't exactly get all of it there. IRS with a body slam to Iron Sheik. Barry Windham with a punch to the face from the outside. Now with an over, now with a takeover. Iron Sheik going for the pin reversal. IRS still has him in a headlock there. Tag, tag in. Now Barry Windham jumping off the top rope. Forearm to the back of the head. Barry Windham looking like he knows what's going on. Leg drop to the nether regions of the Iron Sheik. Now working the head is Barry Windham. Now against the ropes, the Iron Sheik now knows that he has to break the count if the team of him and Volkov want to have a chance to win the title. Now Volkov is holding him back. Iron Sheik just missed Barry Windham and drop kicked Nick Volkov. Iron Sheik apologizing, but Volkov wants no part of it, although he does tag him in. Volkov is in his first action of the match here. Barry Windham grabs him, punch to the head, headlock now. We see a replay again of what exactly happened. So just at the last second, it looks like Barry Windham got away from Volkov. And now we see IRS in the ring working against Volkov. Elbow and Volkov goes down. Elbow drop. IRS goes for the pin one. Just at one because the ref took too fucking long. Working the left wrist of Volkov is IRS. Or Mike Rotundo, I guess he is at this point. That's my bad here. Barry Windham, another... Fist drop from the top rope here. Now again working the left wrist that uh, Rotundo was working earlier. Another tag. Pulls an elbow drop to the wrist of Volkov. Does IRS or Rotundo. Fuck. Working the entire arm. Now is Volkov. Volkov throwing the head of IRS into the boot of the Iron Sheik, the elf-like boot of the Iron Sheik. And now Iron Sheik is working on the head. He whipped to the other side of the ring. Backdrop from the Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik goes off the ropes. Elbow drop. One, two, kick out. 
close at two and a half. Rotundo is in trouble, Gino Monsoon. Holy mackerel, tag team title at stake. Gut wrench, suplex, well executed by the Iron Sheik. Another pin, one, two. He's getting close, he's getting a two and a half every time. All it takes is that three, and the Iron Sheik is getting things his way. Iron Sheik setting up for a suplex here. IRS says no. Again, block again. Iron Sheik reverses, or Iron Sheik is reversed. Barry Windham wants in. Volkov gets tagged. Volkov with the boot to the back of Rotundo. Sheik picking him up, dropping his head on the ropes. Boot to the back. Volkov goes. Almost looks like he was going for the pin. But now we see IRS with a wrist lock. Volkov pushing him against the ropes. Shot to the gut. Now a forearm dragging across the back of the neck. IRS sunset flip reversed. One. IRS has his head crushed. Now IRS is looking to tag Barry Windham in. Knee to the gut of Mike Rotundo. Jumping boot. Punch to the face. Another head to the gut there. Iron Sheik tagged in. Kick to the gut by Iron Sheik on IRS here. Now we see Captain Lou and Freddie Blassie fighting outside there. The cat with a stretch now is Iron Sheik. Arm drag. Arm drag hip lock misses the elbow, does IRS. Sheik tags in Volkov. Barry Windham gets tagged in at the last second here. Big punch to the head. More punches. Barry Windham just unloading on Nikolai Volkov. Big drop kick. Punch to the face. He's just, he, he continues the assault. Now pushed into the corner. Barry Windham looks like he's going to end it here. Bulldog from the corner. Barry Windham has this has his pin broken up here. Barry Windham continuing the assault on Volkov. Iron Sheik just hit Barry Windham with the cane. Iron Sheik just hit him with the cane. No, Freddie Blassie going for the pin. One, two, three. Nikolai Volkov and Iron Sheik are new tag champions. Nikolai Volkov and Iron Sheik are the new tag team champions. All right, guys. Well, thank you for an amazing first episode of Wrestling with Old School Ideas. You can follow me on Twitter at CD underscore the music, man. Let me know what matches you guys want me to do alternate commentary on next. And as always, have a good one.